Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. Uh, the Raptors lose tonight by a score of 119 to, to 116. Um, you know what? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, the feeling I have after a loss like this, and whatever, Raptors should not be losing to the Hornets. You know that. Uh the feeling I have after a game like this is just pure apathy. Like, I actually, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you know, especially people who have listened to the program for a long time, whether that was when I started the Reaction Podcast at, you know, Raps Public like six, seven years ago now, uh, to when it was at Yahoo, to now at Sportsnet. Like, you know how invested I am in every single game, right? That's like, if I have a shtick, really, um, I, that's my shtick. I, I just, I'm really invested in the Raptors. It's not even a shtick. It's just how I genuinely feel. I love this team, even in moments where it feels like there's nothing in it. Still want them to win, even if it's a meaningless game, like playing in Charlotte uh, in the middle of December. I still want them to win and very invested in this group. And I know a lot of people are the same way. Um, not going to lie to you, midway through this game, I'm sitting there taking my notes, laptop out in front of the TV, jotting down every play, trying to figure out what's going on, tracking the lineup changes, tracking, you know, coverages, and just kind of stopped, kind of just sat back, looked at it on my phone, uh, and just tried to at least take it in because this game was a disgrace. It was a disgrace. I don't particularly care about the comeback. Like, I... I didn't really care much about the comeback. Did the comeback move me in any way? No. Um, you shouldn't be down 35 to 22 against the Charlotte Hornets. You shouldn't be trailing for 10 plus points the entire way through. You shouldn't need a late comeback to put yourself in the, in the, in the lead. And when you do put yourself in the lead by five points, you should not be in a position where you squander it all the way through. I'm sorry, but the Charlotte Hornets are not a good team. We all know that. You know, there used to be a time in this, you know, long-standing program where we would do slander pods. We would do episodes where we praise the Raptors and look at the other side and go, wow, it's ugly over there. And, I mean, I don't know. I know other teams look at the Raptors and do slander pods. I know other teams look at the Raptors and go, it's ugly over there. I don't even know where you want to start. Offense, defense, the fact that the play is just utterly uninspiring in all fronts. The fact that the Raptors get out to slow starts, get down double digits every game. Dark has to call the timeout every game. Does anyone listen to Darko? I'll tell you a real story. You know what? I'll tell you a real story. Because I feel like sometimes I think about... um, I think about the newer relationships that I've been able to build because of the growth of the job and the growth of the show. And I'm focusing a little bit more about that than I am on the type of content or what I'm specifically saying into microphone. It's probably smarter for my career to be mindful of that more often. I'll just tell you this. Two separate conversations I had 
one earlier this year about Bobby with Bobby Webster, one earlier this year with Masai Ujiri. And both times in these casual chats to them, I asked them to their faces, is Darko a yes man? Is is because he gives me a bit of yes man vibes. And of course, both of them said no. Both of them said, you know, Darko's gonna, you know, hold these guys accountable. Um, you know, obviously we we wanna get the mood up. We know he's a personal guy. That's all genuine, that's real. That's not what I mean by he's a yes man. But when he says something, when he does something, when he addresses something, do things change? And when I watch it, I'm like, what changes? Game after game, whether they practice or they don't practice, they come out slow. They don't get off to good starts. Uh, whether Darko wants them to shoot threes, whether he wants to get them into three-point shooting contests, doesn't really matter. They don't come out and make threes. Uh, whether or not the starting unit struggles or the bench struggles, does the rotation change? No, never. Ten-man rotation, no matter what. In a game where maybe five Raptors played well, still going to play ten guys. Okay. Uh, am I going to change the starters, even though they've been struggling? Nope. And we're going to watch them struggle against the Charlotte Hornets? Yep. And am I going to change the bench rotation? Nope. Am I going to maybe shuffle guys in and out of the bench lineup? Yeah, of course. We'll make adjustments. We might choose between Jalen McDaniels tonight, or Otto Porter tonight, or Chris Boucher tonight. The hell is that going to do? Like, seriously, what is that supposed to do? Right? And then we get into the game. Coming out of timeouts, where's the execution? Where's any fire at all in this group? And don't tell me, like, well, you know, they made this comeback late in the game. They made a comeback against the Charlotte Hornets. I don't particularly care that they made the comeback against the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets made so many silly plays tonight where I go, yeah, that's about right. Lay up under the basket, a man walks. Gives the ball right back to the Raptors. That should be two points. Um, you know, the Hornets taking, you know, silly shots, mid-range shots, pull-up shots. That's the Hornets. Um, the Hornets, second unit coming in, not really giving that much towards the team. I guess you could expect it, right? Um, but, I mean... There, there there, was nothing from the Raptors tonight, man. There's just nothing. Like, again, to the point where you're, you don't get excited. Don't get excited about this team. Don't get excited. I'm actively telling you, don't get excited. Even if they won tonight, what would have changed? Like, seriously, for real. Like, may, maybe you feel a little better about it. I, I definitely would feel better about it. The Raptors came back and be like, all right, they didn't show up, but at least they cleaned up their mess. Scotty's the first star, posted a 30-point triple-double. Cool. Um... You know, great hustle by Malachi. Couple nice plays, cool. Um, you know, Pascal made a couple spin moves and, and and was was hot in the second quarter. Great. I mean, but would it have changed anything though? Bottom line, would it have changed anything? Is is that is that is that propelling this team in the right direction? Are they on their way to getting this pizza party? Are they getting into the playoffs? Are they? Looking great long term of like, okay, let's keep this guy. Let's maybe not take this guy. Like, no, it's uninspiring basketball. It it elicits no joy watching this group. 
a, a group that Masai specifically said, I did not enjoy watching this team and brings back the same team. Um, late in the game, Raptors down three. And look, I would say credit to the Hornets. They made some tough shots. You know, Brandon Miller with a super contested three made over Pascal Siakam, knocks it down. Uh, who else made a big three in that stretch? Miles Bridges with a contested three knocks it down. There's no justice in this world. Uh, Terry Rozier with a heavily contested uh, step back, foot on the line two against the buzzer, knocks it down. Um, that puts him up three down the stretch there. And Darko has two timeouts, the full sh- length of the shot clock. Chooses not to call timeout. Okay. The play goes nowhere. Literally, the Raptors don't even get inside the three-point arc. Goes nowhere. And because it's the Hornets, they do something dumb. Scotty pulls up for three, and Rozier slides his foot underneath Scotty, ends up fouling him for three. And that almost gave the Raptors life. The Raptors, that play was literally going nowhere. It wasn't like, oh, they're, they're, they got their mismatch and they're crossing. They're doing the-. No. Just went nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. It just so happened that Rogier slid his foot a little bit behind Scotty and it became a three point foul. And I agree it's a foul. Like, I agree it's a foul, but it's an absolute gift. And then Scotty goes to the line, looks at the rim, first shot, rims out. So immediately, you don't have the chance to tie. Raptors at least get the next free throws to drop, don't get the offensive rebound, intentionally foul. Rogier goes the other way, makes both, and you're back in the same position. But at least you got two timeouts. And thankfully, Darko says, well, I got to use a timeout here to advance the ball. So what do they draw up? Well, they Darko draws up a play that features Pascal inbounding the ball, which I'm fine with. I guess I don't want Pascal shooting the three right now considering he's, he can't knock it down. But they has Pascal inbounding the ball. The player running straight to the inbound is Scotty. So it's like a literally a maybe a one-meter pass. Scotty has no room whatsoever uh, to to play with because he's right at the edge of the paint. It wasn't a double team. It was a one-on-one. I mean, you don't need a double team in this scenario because, you know, even the Hornets have that sense to not leave someone open intentionally. But Scotty's trapped along the sideline. There's someone in the corner, so he can't even go in that direction. Can't go back towards the the top either because there's also players in that direction. Um, but quite frankly, also didn't have the handle or the moves to sort of like specifically get space from his man. And not only does the shot ultimately not go in, but Scotty had a foot on the line. So even if it had gone in, it wouldn't have mattered. You're telling me that the play they drew up was to inbound the ball one meter, give them no space, and then have him ISO for five seconds and take a foot on the line too. And you want people to care about this product? You want people to support the product? There's obviously, obviously a, a large, huge respect for the, what fandom is, right? You stick with your people, you you support these guys, and you know you ride out the results, right? That that's how fandom, at least good fandom, is prescribed to be, but. On the flip side of that, you get what you put in in this scenario. 
if the team plays uninspiring basketball, you cannot then call fans bad fans for not blindly supporting this listless, lifeless, hopeless basketball that the Raptors play. And you might say Raptors may regress, you know, think you know, this might improve, this might improve, you know, they got 32 assists. It does not matter. Nobody wants to see this. Nobody. Like, nobody wants to see this. I have a heavy respect for pretty much everybody involved. Uh, I don't really know a reason to not respect pretty much everyone involved. I like the people on the team. I've been able to interview a lot of them. That's gotten me to understand sort of a little bit of who they are, but also just interacting with these people. They all seem like nice people. All of them, really. Front office, coaches, the players. They all seem like nice people. So this is not about them as people. It really isn't. But as a collective, as a group, there is no need to see them together, to continue. There just isn't. Not if they play like this. Not if they play like this all the time. And yeah, you're going to get some more time because the league office doesn't really start to do business around this time. You know, just by virtue of, you know, CBA restrictions and whatever. All this boring stuff that, you know, I'm sure someone else could. I mean, I could tell you what the difference is, you know, but like, who cares? Just obviously, like, a lot of contracts can be traded before December 15th or before January 15th. And even some teams don't really make a move until the deadline. They like to wait. Whatever. I get it. But it's like it's borrowed time. Like. Even, I don't know, like they would have to do the absolute unthinkable. Pull off not just one pizza party for three games. Maybe pull off like three, four pizza parties in this time for them to even have a chance to keep this thing together. Because collectively, nobody wants to watch this. And it's not people are bad fans. It's not Will's emotional. It is just not it across the board don't even care to point fingers really don't that's a i don't think it's productive and b just i i don't really care to i really don't um you lose in this fashion to the hornets really in this fashion to the hornets Uh, a couple stats to give you. Outside of Scotty and Precious, who both shot the three well tonight, three of six for Scotty, three of four for Precious. The Raptors shot outside of those two. Oh, for twenty six from three. The rest of the guys on the team. Oh, for twenty six. From two players in Scotty and Precious, and Scotty's been shooting well this season. So let's take Scotty out of that. But Precious has not been shooting well this season. So you got a really good shooting performance on Precious, an unlikely source. The rest of your professional NBA team in the year 2023 goes 0 for 26 from 3 against the Charlotte Hornets. 
How is that even possible? How is that even possible? Pascal 0 for 1. At least he knew one to stop. OG 0 for 6, including the most wide open mint corner three that would have put the Raptors up late in the game, right before Rozier hit a step back jumper to put the Hornets up three. You literally cannot get a better shot for your supposed best shooter than that. And he goes 0 for 6. And I get it. Games happen. You go 0 for 6 sometimes. But we're talking about the market is going to dictate that OG is going to get paid 40. That when you had Dame Miller available for trade in the offseason, OG never was part of those trades. To the point where you know he's comfortable because OG's literally prank calling Dame saying, welcome to Toronto. So you know OG wasn't a part of those trades. You're telling me in for a 40 million player can't get you the wide open three when his most of his offense is set up, spoon fed, wide open, catch, shoot, fire, game on the line, 11 points as well. Total. And which opposing wing did he stop? Was it Brandon Miller 7 of 15 for 20? Was it Gordon Hayward 10 of 15 for 24? Was it Miles Bridges, who should be locked up, but maybe in the game he gets locked up by OG, 8 of 15, 22? Was it Terry Rozier, 7 of 15 for 21? Where was the $40 million impact in this kind of game? Where was the $20 million impact for Jakob Pertl? I saw Gordon Hayward, who has come off so many major injuries at this point, sneak along the baseline get, getting, after getting a rebound and sneak in a layup around Jakob Pertl. For real? The Raptors, when they acquired Jakob Pertl, thought they were getting a top 10 center. You know how we know that? Masai went to the podium and said, Jakob Pertl's a top 10 center. And hey, it must be on defense because on offense, he's making layups. Maybe push floaters. So we know it's not on offense that he's a top 10 center. So he's got to be so good defensively, right? Gordon Hayward drives baseline. Not only after getting an offensive rebound, but he's able to get the, the, the sneak layup around Jakob. Where was the defensive impact from Jakob? Where was the offensive impact from Jakob? You got an 8-8. Eight and eight for Jakob gave you a pocket 8s for $20 million. You went all in for pocket 8s. How would you feel if you played poker and you went all in with, poker eight, with, with pocket 8s? Does it feel good in this case? When he came back to close the game, I was like, damn, you're rolling, you're rolling the dice here because I need pressures in the game. And then I thought about it, and I was like, you're telling me you paid $20 million for a center and a first-round pick, and I'm down bad for pressures to close the game? Unbelievable. Dennis continues to struggle. Started this game off pretty poorly. And, yeah, he toned down the usage. Didn't shoot as often, but remains to be ice cold from three. There was a three at the end of the first half where the kickout well, OG missed a three, another spoon-fed, wide-open three for a man about to make a max. Nope. Raptors get the rebound, kick it to Dennis, even more open, all the time in the world, and it just hit the backboard. It was a sinking feeling to see that sequence, and then the Raptors are down 12 points at halftime. And defensively, 
the Hornets did a lot of going at Dennis Schroeder. That's why he committed four fouls. And you could say Dennis could play some pressure defense, you know, slow the shot clock. Not enough of that today. Not enough of that today. Otto leaves the game with a foot injury. It's unfortunate. Um, didn't see it happen, but, you know, it it is something with Otto where you know he's susceptible to these things, and uh, you don't get him in the game. But he also had an open three. Not, he missed it. Six minutes. Didn't really have much of an impact, let's be honest. Gary Trent Jr. in a contract year. Good dude, man. Really like Gary. But zero points, 20 minutes, 0 for 7 from the, from the field. Um, missed opportunities to swing the ball. I mean, I don't know who he would be swinging, swinging it to in the three-point line, considering literally everyone was bricks from three, like 0 for 26 bricks from three. But 0 for 7, mid-range pull-ups, open threes, layups, floaters. 0 for 7 is 0 for 7, you know? Defensive impact, nothing. I mean, it's a contract year. It's a contract year. And the knock against Gary for many years now has been, if he's not scoring, what's he doing for you? And again, 0 for 7. Is there another way to impact the game? It's very hard for anybody to impact the game going 0 for 7, but yeah. Malachi, did he have good stretches? Of course. You know? There were there were plays where, you know, he gave effort, showed hustle, um, saved a couple loose balls. But the most important thing is Malachi needs to knock down threes, especially on a night where nobody else was knocking down threes. And um, in the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter, when it's a close game, one from Pascal, driving kick, set up Malachi. Brick for three. Another time, Scotty Barnes makes a great pass to Malachi. Wide open for three. Brick. And the next time down, Pascal's driving in transition, draws three guys, kicks it out. Malachi again for three. And instead of Malachi taking the three this time, he drives the closeout directly into Rogier's chest because Rogier's like, well, I think you're not going to shoot another three, so I'm going to just cut off this drive. Cut off the drive. Malachi had to reset the offense, and Pascal kind of threw his hands up. Like, bro, even if you're missing, you still got to take the three. So guess what? Start of the fourth quarter, Malachi's still in the game. Raptors get him a wide-open three on the wing, and it bricks so badly that the ball, like, hit the underside of the basket and went and went straight down. Like it was like, you know, you know how hockey people talk about going bar down, you know, when you take that slap shot and you hit the top and then it goes directly down for a goal. He went bar down. He went bar down. It was, it was like, it was like Trent's free kick against Fulham. It went bar down. Uh, thank, thank you Liverpool for giving me the respite that I really needed. I can't wait to see the next match. Uh, get well soon. Joel Matip, you're a club legend. Um, okay, back to this other team. Yeah, I mean, you could say Malachi made some a couple of great plays here or there. Congratulations. The bar is on the floor. And 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 that's not me trying to be rude. I really am not trying to be rude. 
But in the most crucial moments, those were not made. But Malachi was not the problem today. Again, all these guys I like individually. I really have never had issues with any of these guys. But damn, when you watch this game, man, when you watch this team, like, where is this thing going? And for what reason are we even there to hope? Because, you know, hope is a big thing, I think, in sports in general. Like, obviously, only one team can really win it every year. Only maybe five teams can talk themselves into saying that we have a chance to win it this year. Maybe another five teams can say, well, we have this special player. And once we fix this, this, and this, we can eventually make it that year. Uh, some teams might just say, hey, we're fun to watch regardless. You know, like the Kings, for example. I don't think the Kings are going to win, you know, with their group. But they're fun to watch regardless. Like, give me 82 games of that. Give me a playoff series of that. Give me a play-in you know, games. Give me in-season tournament games of that. I'll take all of it. That stuff's fun to watch. Um, you know, those are those are those are reasons. Ultimately, the part of watching sports is is participating in the hope. Even look at today, the the Shohei Otani watch. You know how much hope we put into it to the point where, when you think back on it, through a variety of both legitimate reporting that turned out to be bad information from reporters with pretty good credibility to misinformation from reporters with no credibility to just straight-up random things that were said on the internet that somehow became retweeted into reality. Through the mix of all three of those factors, over the course of the day, starting from when you woke up to about 5 o'clock Eastern, we had spun an entire narrative of what Shohei Otani's day potentially looked like. And we had convinced ourselves that his day started with hopping on a private jet from Anaheim headed towards Toronto. Uh, We had convinced ourselves that his high school idol, I suppose, I mean, someone else who attended the same high school as him in Blue Jays teammate Yusei Kikuchi uh, had supposedly booked out a nameless unnamed sushi restaurant for 50 uh, for a party. So we are linking those two dots with what substance? Hard to say. Uh, And not only that, but we've also invented into the itinerary that there was supposed to be uh, a press conference set for 6 p.m. Now, of course, I would say, A, that's bad reporting from the legitimate reporter. B, that was just straight-up irresponsible from a not-very-good reporter. And then C, I don't even know where the sushi idea came from, but it's kind of hilarious. My point is, we had constructed this entire itinerary for his day. Hop on the private jet, do the press conference at 6, and then go celebrate Yusei Kikuchi for dinner at sushi somewhere in Toronto. And in all of that, obviously reality sets in. And it's like, not only is he not going to a press conference, not only is he not going to sushi with his teammate, who was supposed to be celebrating his wife's birthday, but his wife's birthday is actually in June or something. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, but he's not even on the flight at all. He's just straight up chilling at home, Shohei Otani. My pull point is not about the 
you know, reporting or whatever and, and the mania. I, I, I don't blame fans for caught, getting caught up in the mania. Like, that's literally what we're all here to do. My point is, we got a whole entire day of hope. And, of course, it was it was dashed, at least temporarily. We'll see what his ultimate choice is. Uh, but so much of sports is about hope, right? You tell yourself things, and then you watch for it, and it's exciting when it happens, and it's not exciting when it doesn't happen. But, you know, you, you mix hope, you mix with some reason, you mix with some belief, and, you know, you go into this, and it, it heightens the, the feeling of just watching, you know, largely strangers play basketball or play some sports against each other. It gives you stakes to, to watch for. When you watch the Raptors, I guess my point is, you come back to this group, having seen it for multiple years, for multiple iterations, when you've seen the last couple of games, what specifically have you watched with this group that gives you hope? What are the stakes? Like, I can give you something if you'd like. Like, obviously, it's, you know, you the stakes are you want to see Scotty grow into a superstar. You saw today, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, a block. And I didn't think he even participated in the first half. Right? So that's that's great. Who's running with him now? Long term, who can you say with guarantee that by the time Scotty reaches, you know, the level, and if Scotty reaches the level where you're like, okay, because we have him on the team, we know we can compete. Like, you know, for example, like Indiana, for example, right? They can tell themselves, A, because they've seen some results, a lot of results, especially recently, but B, because they can appreciate the genius and the style of play of a Tyrese Halliburton that like, you know what? We have the foundational piece. It's got about, the, it's about finding the rest of the pieces around it, but we have that foundational piece. And if we just keep, you know, adding and building around this undeniable thing in the middle, we can get to the point where we feel like we're good enough to compete against anybody and win a championship. Um, to me, I still need to see more from Scotty to get me to that level of belief. But I'm also not seeing something that's definitively ruling him out of that level. So I can feel hope in Scotty Barnes. That's the one thing in this team that I can feel hope for. That Scotty has this level and that he can access it on a more consistent basis and that he can access it against the best teams. That's the hope. But when he, if he gets that level and when he gets that level, who on this team will be there to support this? And you're like, oh, yeah. No problem. That that guy's going to be there with them. When you watch performances like this from OG, you really look at it like can't never can never leave OG on my team. In fact, I I will I want to pay the max to keep him. Right? We see Pascal Siakam day in day out for three four years now, play at an all star level, and you could say that he's not a number one guy. I agree with you. You could say that the skill set, because of the lack of three point shooting, is not great as a number two option. I can even hear the case there, but I have seen Pascal Siakam be a better basketball player for a lot longer than OJ. In fact, for the entirety of their careers together, because they played on the same teams. My point is people aren't even happy to pay. A lot of people aren't even happy to pay Pascal beyond this year because they're like, well, he doesn't lead us anywhere. So we're going to just pay that amount of money to OG instead. How does that make sense to you? You don't want to, maybe you don't want to see Pascal long-term with Scotty. Fine. Can we get something back for those guys if you do move in those directions? Is Jakob a long-term fit with these guys? I don't know. Probably not, right? Probably not. Is he making a superstar impact on defense? No. Is he making a uh, great 
difference on offense. Well, you probably want to use him as a post hub to pass, but that's where Scotty's been doing a lot of it. Like you notice today, for example, when Scotty started getting going, once again, he was playing small ball five. Right? Whether that was with the starters, where, you know, eventually Yakuba had taken off the floor for Precious, which, by the way, how many games does he have to close with Precious out on for him or with Gary on for him? Even when they're cold, they'll go on for him. But when Scotty got going, it was when he was playing small ball five. So how many small ball, how many fives do we want to stack in front of him? You know, why can't Scotty get off to great starts with some of these guys? Well, sure, they could run more plays for him. Sure, he could be more aggressive. But he probably could just be on the floor with different players too. Especially players that take up the exact space that he likes to be in. So long term, to fit around him, that doesn't make sense. Dennis is here for a short time. He's on a two-year mid-level deal. Darko seems to really want to only run his offense or his his plays with guards okay i suppose um why you would then bring darko and that philosophy into a team that is built literally around six nine forwards when it's inflexible that you need a traditional center and you need a point guard <laughs> you know it's 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 like all right we, we, we you 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 need you need you need glasses and, and we have brought you a dentist like, okay, cool. Uh, I guess they're both doctors. Like, I guess Darko's a coach. and But, you know, he straight up said, he's like, well, I don't want to put Scotty as the point guard because, uh, you know, the, opponent, the opponents might press. A, you don't think Scotty can beat a press? And B, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't, once you get into the half-court offense, run the offense through Scotty. And run the offense through a player typically means get him into the best position possible. Like when the Hornets say, like, or when the, the Pacers say, let's run the offense through uh, Tyrese, they're not stacking him with non-spacers and forcing him to play in a position where he can never really touch the paint. Right? Like, that's... Anyway, whatever. Um, at least they fought and almost rectified their mistakes. But, again, like, I just find it to be so uninspiring. And um, it's a chore to watch this team. It really is. Like, I, it's a privilege to cover any NBA team. It's a privilege to cover my favorite NBA team. I've loved the Toronto Raptors my entire life. But after three years of watching the same negotiation, the same problem, and you took creative solutions to the point where now you're going with it the most basic as possible. As in, like, it's so basic, you're just inbounding the play to Scotty one meter away and letting him ISO and take a fadeaway long two for the game. What can you really expect? You know, and I... Look, Darko's new. Um... I'm sure with better talented pieces, uh, he can produce better results. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> you can say that about any coach. Uh, hopefully he improves. But, I mean, I don't know. Still think he's a yes man. Like, Malachi won one point, went over to him, and literally did the Kyle Kuzma. While the play was literally live, he ran over to the coach and forced him and was like, please, 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 use the challenge. And whatever. It was a good challenge. Because Malachi was contesting Brandon Miller for a loose ball 
uh, for a for a pass on the sideline, and the referees called the ball off of Malachi when in fact it was off of Brandon Miller. But you have him in the middle of the game coming over to you for that, and you and you said yes to him. And honestly, we see lots of players protest for challenges. You as the coach need to decide who you're going to actually use your challenge for. You use your challenge for Malachi on a play that wasn't even a foul, on a play that was just going to be a sideline out of bounds, and with the potential upside for possession. I don't like the process, unless you're a man that says yes. Because if you're going to say yes to Malachi breaking in the middle of the play to beg for a play that wasn't going to erase a basket, wasn't going to erase free throws, what else would you not say yes to? Uh, it's tough times, man. Front office, the reason there's so much heat on you guys is not only because this is the roster you build, but you are the only ones in this position to change it. And as long as people are tapped out and tired of watching both the process, both the form, and both the result of what the Raptors are putting out there, you will just continuously hear this type of push. And of course, I'm not going to always be in an apathetic mood. The media will not always write the same stories because you'll get tired of it. And we'll, you know, just like anyone else, people will move on and, and look for something new. Look at what we did this week. You know, let's look back on the Rudy Gay trade. Let's chat with former Raptors in Utah. Let's talk some Shohei Otani. Let's talk some missing the tournament. You know, that's what's going to happen because we can't just say the same thing over and over again. But I want it to be as blunt as possible in in this conversation. And you even see heat on the media because fans are so frustrated because they cannot access you. They cannot access and just walk up to Bobby Masai and demand action. So they are now pressing us to press you. And whatever, part of that might be our job anyway. So, you know, it comes with the territory, I suppose. The point is, nobody wants to see this continue. Nobody. Uh, no three stars. No, 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 Joe Henderson. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take the weekend off from the Raptors, and uh, we'll go again next week. 